From ancient times, the Liturgy of the Hours has served as the public and communal prayer of God's people. It has been called the Vox Sponsae, the voice of a bride, addressed to her bridegroom. It is the very prayer which Christ himself, together with his church, offers to the Father for the glory of God and the salvation of the world. Hey everyone, you're listening to Vox Sponsae, a podcast on the Liturgy of the Hours brought to you by the St. Thomas More House of Prayer, a Catholic retreat center in the Diocese of Erie, Pennsylvania, with the mission of praying and promoting the Liturgy of the Hours. My name is Nathan Wigfield. I serve as the director here at the House of Prayer, and usually I'm joined by my friend Gabriel, who is in Seattle, Washington, but thanks be to God, he and his wife Kristen had a baby girl, Abigail Ann, and they are adjusting to life with a newborn. They already have twin boys, and now uh, with Abigail having arrived, they are getting used to new rhythms, and I'm sure uh, late night, late nights or early mornings, uh, however that, however that's been going for them. But I talked to Gabriel, and it seems like it would be a good idea to give them a little bit of time to adjust. So hopefully he'll be back with us in the coming weeks. Uh, for the podcast. Uh, for those of you who have been listening in, you know that last our last podcast was on the top 10 reasons for praying the Liturgy of the Hours. We talked about these top 10 reasons in light of the spread of the coronavirus and the situation that a lot of us find ourselves in, being quarantined, practicing social distancing. You know, many of us are living within the confines of our house, either by ourselves or with roommates, family members. And, you know, we're, as Catholics, a lot of us are asking the question, I see, you know, online and I've talked to friends, you know, how do we use this time to grow in our faith and not uh, grow distant from the Lord, but rather grow closer to Him? This is certainly unprecedented times, at least in our lifetime, where we are not able to attend Mass even on Sundays. And uh, there are many dioceses where you cannot even now visit a, visit a church and make a visit to the Blessed Sacrament. So very difficult times. We want to know how it is that we can stay close to our Lord. Also, how we can continue to journey through this season of Lent as we prepare ourselves for Easter. And thankfully, we have a lot of priests who have done just amazing things by offering, you know, live stream of, of Mass, I've seen uh, adoration, sung night prayer. Uh, we've had priests offer stations of the cross. You know, I've seen pictures of priests who have put together an altar and have uh, exposed the Lord uh, through a glass pane in the front of their churches or office buildings uh, so that people can adore the Lord from their cars. All these things are amazing. They're great ways that the faithful can continue to to grow in their relationship with the Lord and their connection to the church. But there's one thing that is afforded to us by praying the liturgy of the hours that none of these other things can accomplish. And that is that the liturgy of the hours makes us participants in the sacred liturgy. You know, together with the holy sacrifice of the mass, the liturgy of the hours forms the whole of the sacred liturgy. And it is a prayer that promises to unite our prayers to Christ to make us participants in his prayer, in his sacrifice of praise. And there's graces that come with that. You know, the the general instructions on the Liturgy of the Hours teaches us that 
when the faithful pray the liturgy of the hours, we have the opportunity to help fulfill the church's duty of offering the sacrifice of praise, and that in doing so, we can contribute greatly to the salvation of the world. Not only that, but when we do pray the liturgy of the hours, we know that our prayer is united to Christ. We also know that we're joining with all the angels and saints in heaven and the church triumphant, but also with all those in the church uh, church militant here on earth who are joining in this prayer as well. And this is a really powerful reality because it really comes to bear in our lives as it sanctifies our day. You know, the church teaches us that the liturgy of the hours is an extension of the Eucharistic celebration. And so in this time where we can't get to Mass, the graces of the Holy Eucharist really come to permeate and transfigure the time of each day through praying the hours. And so that's why we came out with this podcast on the top 10 reasons. We got a lot of good feedback. Uh, We ended up writing a blog post, putting it all in writing, and included some links to, to help people who haven't prayed the Liturgy of the Hours get started. You can find those links uh, on our website, but uh, I just want to let you know about a couple of those, a few of those. First, uh, our beginner's guides. We've put together beginner's guides, both for the single-volume Christian prayer book and the four-volume set of the Liturgy of the Hours. These beginner's guides help you with placing your ribbons in the book, kind of walking you through the structure of the book and the different places that you'll want to go to be able to pray with the church, such as the proper of seasons, you know, the ordinary, which contains like the rubrics of the liturgy of the hours, the Psalter, the proper of saints, and then the commons. And then those beginner's guides also provide you with basic instructions for praying the hours. So I hope you find those to be helpful. You can, if you want to get to those right now, you can actually visit our website, liturgyofthehours.org, and just go to the top right-hand corner, and you'll see a little circle there with, uh, it says free PDF guides. You can click on those and uh, and get those right away. So encourage you to go there if, uh, if that is something you think would be helpful to you. We also have a resource called Today's Pages. You can find this on the drop-down menu on our website. The Today's Pages section has literally today's page numbers that you need to pray with the church. And so both for the single-volume Christian prayer book and the four-volume Liturgy of the Hours set, you can go on there and see for morning and evening prayer the page numbers of everything from antiphons, psalms, readings, responsories, concluding prayers, etc. And this will really help you and give you the confidence to know that you're praying the right prayers on the right days. Lastly, uh, we've been live streaming our morning prayer on Facebook every day. So you can join us in praying morning prayer uh, from our chapel, virtually of course, every day of the week from Monday through Saturday at 8 a.m. Eastern and pray morning prayer with us. You know, for those of you who really aren't sure where to begin or, or how maybe you have have the Christian prayer book, but you're not really sure which page numbers, you know, we announce the page numbers. We, you know, give as much instruction as we can to help you know when to flip back to repeat antiphons and all that kind of stuff. So tune in to our, our Facebook live stream. You can get to our page, facebook.com slash stmhop. On Sundays, we have been offering Office of Readings with Morning Prayer beginning at 7 a.m. And by the way, whether it's you know during the week or on Sundays, you even though we're doing this live, you can tune into these broadcasts later in the day as well. So you don't have to get if you you know wake up late and you can't join us live. 
uh, tune in a little bit later, go to our Facebook page and you can watch the, the video which has been recorded. So those are just some resources that we have on our website. I also want to let you know about a new resource put together by Source and Summit in partnership with our Sunday Visitor, and that is Keep the Lord's Day. You can find this at keepthelordsday.com. And basically what this gives you is morning prayer for Sundays. So you can pray morning prayer uh, either by yourself or with others that you live with. And it's a beautiful outline. It gives you everything you need right there so you're not flipping pages and all that kind of stuff. So you can pray morning prayer and then follow that with praying the prayers of the Mass, uh, reading the readings for for that particular Sunday, and then ending with an act of spiritual communion. So this is a real gift, a very nice website that was put together and uh, a great can be a great resource for you as an individual or you and your family. Well, let's go ahead and get started with our episode for today. If you have been listening in uh, from the beginning, you know that we made the decision to start our podcast by just going through the general instructions of the Liturgy of the Hours, which was promulgated in 1971 by Pope St. Paul VI. And this is, you know, this document, it sounds really bland, like general instructions, you know, kind of a how-to guide, but it's really so much more than that. The general instructions has a great introduction that opens us up to and helps us understand the what and the why behind the Liturgy of the Hours, what this prayer is, the nature of this prayer, and also why it's so important in the life of the church and always has been. And so we've been just working through this paragraph by paragraph, and I believe it was about a month ago, is right at the beginning of Lent, we decided to take a break from the general instructions and do an episode on praying with the church during Lent and just shared some reflections that we had from praying the Liturgy of the Hours during the first week of Lent. And then after that, we had every intention of going back to the general instructions, but in light of the current situation with the virus and, you know, the lockdown and people finding themselves quarantined and not able to go out, we decided to do uh, an episode on the top 10 reasons for praying the Liturgy of the Hours. Well, today we're back to the general instructions. We had gotten through paragraph three and had started into paragraph four. And in paragraph, just as a a little bit of a review, this is such a beautiful paragraph that I think it's worth even repeating. It says, when the word proceeding from the father as the splendor of his glory came to give us all a share in God's life, Christ Jesus, high priest of the new and eternal covenant, taking human nature, introduced into this earthly exile, the hymn of praise that is sung throughout all ages in the halls of heaven. From then on, in Christ's heart, the praise of God assumes a human sound in words of adoration, expiation, and intercession, presented to the Father by the head of the new humanity, the mediator between God and his people, in the name of all and for the good of all. And what I love about this paragraph is that second sentence there, that when the word proceeding from the Father as the splendor of the, the splendor of his glory came to give us all a share in God's life, he took human nature and introduced into our earthly exile the hymn of praise that is sung throughout all ages in the halls of heaven. It's, you know, that idea of Christ Jesus, the eternal word, the eternal son of the Father, taking on human flesh, becoming like us in all things, save sin, and introducing into this world, this earthly exile of ours, the hymn of praise in human words. So Christ 
has been said to be, he's the eternal canticle of praise that is sung forever throughout all ages in the halls of heaven. And now the word having taken flesh, him having taken our humanity, he's introduced that hymn of his to us and made us sharers in his praise of the Father. And now forever this hymn of praise that the word has always sung, has always offered to the Father, now has a human sound. It now has the substance of human words of adoration, expiation, and intercession. And so this is a new thing that God has done in and through the incarnation, and we get to participate in that. Now, the general instructions continues with how his whole life was a living prayer. But we see specific examples of how and when Jesus prayed throughout the Gospels. And so we began to discuss the various scenes in the life of Jesus when we have Jesus praying. In the first scene that we have, it says in paragraph 4, In his goodness, the Son of God, who is one with his Father, and who on entering the world said, Here I am, I come, God, to do your will, has left us the lesson of his own prayer. The Gospels many times show us Christ at prayer. And then it begins to list these examples. And the first one is when his mission is revealed by the Father. And we kind of got stuck here. We spent a whole episode just on this, this scene in the life of Jesus when the mission of the Father is revealed to Christ in the context of his baptism. And so... I remember I had said in the podcast that I had actually never seen this before. I think it's in the Gospel of Luke that when Jesus comes to be baptized, when he's about to be baptized, the text says that he was in prayer, that he was praying. And it was in the context of prayer that he was not only baptized, but he also, the clouds parted, the Holy Spirit descended, and the Father gave him his mission as the Son. And so, Really, what we have here is the very foundation of Christ's whole public ministry. And what you have is prayer in the sacraments. You have prayer and baptism. This serves as the foundation, as the very font from which the rest of his public ministry flows. And I think this is a beautiful example for us because this is where we always return to. We always return to, especially in a time like this. I mean, when we're all kind of confused and and not sure, you know, maybe what the will of God is and trying to make sense of our, our current circumstances or a time of trial is that we always go back to the basics. We always go back to what we can count on. And what we can count on is that we need to live a life rooted in prayer in the sacraments. Now, some of you might say, well, I can't even get to Mass. Well, we still have, we still have the sacraments extended We still have the Eucharist extended through the prayer of the church. That is the liturgy of the hours. You know, the liturgy of the hours extends the grace of the Holy Eucharist into the time of each day. And so we have an opportunity by orienting our life around the liturgy of the hours or even by, you know, simply beginning our day or ending our day with the liturgy of the hours to sanctify the day, to put ourselves back in touch with the graces that come to us through the Holy Eucharist by taking up this prayer of the church, which is the very prayer of Christ. And so we discussed that a little bit, and uh, and then we stopped there. And I could go on and we could kind of go through each of these examples, but we're going to continue and, uh, and go to the next paragraph, 
which just suffices to say that the work of each day, that is, you know, for Christ, the work of his day was always bound up with his prayer and indeed flowed out from it. And that's a great example for us, right? It says, he would retire into the desert or into the hills to pray. He would rise very early in the morning or spend spend the night up to the fourth watch in prayer to God. And so it's obvious that Jesus' own example is one of a life that's lived ordered around or oriented towards prayer. And everything he did, everything he did in his life flowed from this communion that he enjoyed with his father. So the general instructions then take us through, you know, the various nature of the prayers that he prayed, kind of pointing out that he prayed publicly in the synagogues, in the temple, uh, but also privately, uh, that he was very he was familiar with the prayers that devout Israelites would pray daily. And we see this in the traditional uh, blessings of God that he takes up at meals. Uh, it says expressly mentioned in connection with the multiplication of the loaves, the Last Supper, the meal at Emmaus, and also uh, when he joined with the disciples in a hymn of praise at the Last Supper. And it says, to the end of his very life, as his passion was approaching, at that Last Supper, in the agony in the garden, on the cross, he showed us that prayer was the soul of his messianic ministry and paschal death. And so we know that for Christ, prayer was the very source of his life and his ministry. And if it was so for him, then it's even more true for us. We are in need of a deep life of prayer. In fact, you know, I just thought of John Paul II. You know, he wrote in, I believe it was Novo Millennio Inuente, that the program that he laid out for the church in the third millennium was that the church ought to become distinguished in the art of prayer. And he said, unless Christians have a prayer that's able to fill the whole of their lives, they're not only mediocre Christians, but they are Christians at risk that we are in need of a prayer that is able to fill the whole of our lives. And then, of course, John Paul II, well, soon after that, would devote all of his Wednesday audiences to a catechesis on the Psalms from morning prayer and said he wanted to do his part to help the church become distinguished in this art of prayer by helping us pray the Liturgy of the Hours more deeply, to pray the Psalms more deeply. And so this is important for us to, you know, if everything that Christ does If who he is flows from his communion with God that he enjoys in prayer, then this is of utmost importance for us, even more important for us to remain in the vine, to remain in Christ and his prayer to the Father. So the general instructions then takes us to the prayer of the church and how we are given the command to pray. Actually, you know, this isn't just an option. It's not just a nice idea. Like, yeah, we really ought to be more prayerful, but it's actually a command that Christ gives us. And it goes on in in paragraph five to say that Jesus commanded us to do as he did. On many occasions, he said, pray, ask, seek in my name. He taught us how to pray in what is known as the Lord's Prayer. He taught us that prayer is necessary, that it should be humble, watchful, persevering, confident in the Father's goodness, single-minded, and in conformity with God's nature. It says here and there in their letters, the apostles then handed on to us many prayers, particularly of praise and thanksgiving. 
They instructed us on prayer in the Holy Spirit through Christ offered to God, as to its persistence and constancy, its power to sanctify, and on prayer of praise, thanks, petition, and intercession for all. So we have this command, this injunction to to live a life of prayer, to constantly, to even as St. Paul said, you know, to pray without ceasing. You know, we're given this task of living lives of prayer. I fall into the trap of, of saying this, as many others do I know, of saying, you know, how's your prayer life? As if it's, you know, one among other things that you have kind of going on. And it's not so much a prayer life that we're after, but a life of prayer, a life deeply rooted in prayer, so that, like Christ, our whole life can become prayer. Our whole life can be become a living, walking communion with the Father. Now, as we continue in the general instructions, it takes us then to how Christ's prayer, his own prayer, is continued by the church. And this is really powerful stuff because I think this takes prayer out of the context of just, you know, what I prefer, what kind of prayers I prefer to do or what kind of the ways that prayer benefits me to say, you know, how is prayer efficacious or how is prayer beneficial to us? Well, it's through are being united with Christ's own prayer. And so in paragraph 6, in the general instructions, it says, Since we are entirely dependent on God, we must acknowledge and express this sovereignty of the Creator, as the devout people of every age have done, by means of prayer. And then it says, Prayer directed to God must be linked with Christ, the Lord of all, the one mediator, through whom alone we have access to God. He unites to himself the whole human community in such a way that there is an intimate bond between the prayer of Christ and the prayer of all humanity. And then it ends this paragraph by saying, In Christ and in Christ alone, human worship of God receives its redemptive value and attains its goal. And so what we have here is really the fruit of the Incarnation. You know, it's by way of the incarnation, the word having become flesh of taking our human nature, that he has actually sanctified our prayers. He has actually sanctified that human impulse to raise our heart to God, to to cry out, to grasp for meaning, to grasp for some sense of purpose, to recognize that there is a creator that is responsible for our own existence and to desire communion with that creator. This this all, this human, this very natural impulse has been sanctified by Christ. He's actually taken that up into himself and therefore has you know given those desires, that reaching, that grasping. He's taken that longing for God and he's linked it to himself and his own prayer. And so there's even this natural sense in which the prayer of humanity, the longing for God that is natural to the human soul is sanctified by Christ when he takes on human flesh and assumes not only our nature, but also with our nature, assumes our very desires, our, our sentiments, our, our longings, our yearnings. Now the instructions continue by saying, okay, that's true of all of humanity. That's true of this kind of natural longing and yearning for God and com- communion with our creator. But there's a special and very close bond, the instructions say in the next paragraph, between Christ and those whom he makes members of his body, the church, 
through the sacrament of rebirth, that is, baptism. Thus, from the head, all the riches belonging to the Son flow throughout the whole body. The communication of the Spirit, the truth, the life, and the participation in the divine sonship that Christ manifested in all his prayer when he dwelt among us. Okay, so let us unpack that just a little bit. When we are baptized, we are united to Christ. We are joined to him. And it is that union with Christ that we share with him through baptism that makes us able to receive, to receive the gifts that Christ himself has received from his Father. And so it's through that union that we enjoy with Christ in baptism that we're actually able to participate in the great gift of that relationship that is shared between the Father and the Son. And all the riches that we find in that relationship flow to the whole body through the Son by way of baptism. And so we actually come to, through baptism, to be adopted as sons in the Son of God. We become heirs with Christ of all things that the Father has given. And so everything of value that we have for our salvation, that we have received for our salvation, has come to us through Christ. And this is especially true of his prayer and of his communion that he enjoys with his Father in heaven. Not only has Christ taken up our nature, he's not only taken what was ours, but through baptism he gives us what is his. Now, not only are we made sons through baptism and made sharers in all the riches of the Father, that the Son enjoys in relationship to his Father, but Christ's priesthood is also shared by the whole body of the church, so that the baptized are consecrated as a spiritual temple and a holy priesthood through the rebirth of baptism and the anointing of the Holy Spirit. And this is key. It says in the general instructions that we are thus empowered to offer the worship of the new covenant, a worship that derives not from our own powers, but from Christ's merit and gift. So we are given, we are given a participation in Christ's own worship that he offers to the Father on our behalf. This is key because, you know, we can grasp, we can long, we can yearn for God, our creator, naturally, but it's only through baptism and our participation in the relationship between the Father and the Son that we can actually join in offering right worship to the Father. Of ourselves, we're let, we don't have anything of merit to offer due to sin and due to our corrupt, uh, our corrupt nature. And so Christ, by way of his incarnation, and now by extension through baptism and the sacraments, we are joined to Christ and, and to his praise that he offers to the Father, the worship that he offers to the Father on our behalf. It says that God could give no greater gift than this, to establish as our head the Word, Jesus Christ, through whom he created all things, and to unite us to that head as members. When we speak in prayer to the Father, we cannot separate the Son from Him. And when the Son's body prays, that is when the church prays, it does not separate itself from its head. It is one prayer. It is the one Savior of His body, the Lord Jesus Christ, who prays for us, who prays in us, and who is prayed to by us. He prays for us as our priest, in us as our head, he is prayed to us by our God. 
recognize, therefore, our own voice in him and his voice in us. We actually just had this in the Office of Readings. This is a quote from St. Augustine in his commentary on the Psalms. We just had this in the Office of Readings just a few days ago. Such a beautiful passage, but it's, it's a passage that recognizes that you cannot pull apart the prayer of the church from the prayer of Christ. There's a relationship there that is indissoluble. You cannot divorce the prayer of Christ from the prayer of the church. It is one prayer. It is therefore our own voice in him and his voice in us. So he prays for us. He prays for us. He intercedes for us. He prays in us as the head of our body. He is, he is the supreme member, but he is a member of the body. He is the head of the body. And so therefore he's praying in us. And we as the body are praying to him, recognizing that he is our head, that he is our God. And so the excellence of Christian prayer, bringing this to a close, the excellence of Christian prayer lies in its sharing in the reverent love of the only begotten Son for the Father and in the prayer that the Son put into words in his earthly life and that still continues without ceasing in the name of the whole human race and for its salvation throughout the universal church and in all its members. And so the excellence of Christian prayer, the efficaciousness, the power of Christian prayer lies in its sharing in the love of the only begotten Son for the Father. So the power of the prayer that the church offers daily in the Mass and in the Liturgy of the Hours lies in the fact that it is through this prayer that we share in the love of the Son for the Father. And it is in this prayer that the Son put into words in his earthly life the very praise that he has always offered throughout all ages in the halls of heaven. So where do we land here? I think what's important to take away from this is that the prayer of the church is the prayer of Christ that he has shared with his body. And it is by virtue of this prayer, it is by way of this prayer, that we come to share in the intimate love that is shared between the Father and the Son. And so we have an opportunity when we participate in the sacred liturgy, that is, in the holy sacrifice of the Mass and in the Church's prayer, the Liturgy of the Hours, we have the unique opportunity to share in that worship, that divine worship that is offered by the Son to the Father and thus participate in that eternal exchange of love. And so the next time we pray the Liturgy of the Hours, the next time that you open your breviary or pull up your app and join in the prayer of the church, know that you are entering into the halls of heaven to pray the prayer that Christ himself is offering to the Father on our behalf. That we are joining his prayer. That we are praying to him. He is praying in us. And it is through this prayer, it's through our participation in this sacred liturgy, that we are able to enjoy that love that the Father has for the Son, and the Son has returned and continues to return to the Father. So I hope this can be of help to you just in terms of framing your own praying of the Liturgy of the Hours, helping you understand more deeply 
what it is that we're doing and why we're doing it and why we're so, you know, here at the St. Thomas More House of Prayer, and I know Gabriel shares this as well, you know, in doing this podcast, really what we want to do is we want to share this great gift with as many as we can. We want to share the gift of the Liturgy of the Hours so that more and more people can come to share in this relationship of love between the Father and the Son, to offer the praises and to find that we are made sharers in that relationship of love between the Father and the Son. This is the meaning of life. This is the purpose of our lives. And so whether we are in times of relative ease and comfort and kind of sailing along, you know, or experiencing trials and tribulations, uh, great suffering, we can know that this opportunity is always afforded to us to be so anchored in the love of God through the prayer of the church that we can persevere in prayer, that we can, as St. Paul says, I believe it's in Romans, we can be joyful in hope, we can persevere in prayer and be patient in times of affliction because we're so anchored in the prayer of Christ, in the communion that is shared between Christ and his Father and that we're able to participate in through the church's sacred liturgy. Well, that wraps things up for today. I know most of you are thinking, man, I really can't wait till Gabriel gets back. He kind of keeps things lighter. Uh, I can't wait either. Uh, So it's a little bit different uh, doing this uh, by yourself. Hopefully this conversation was helpful to you. So don't forget to visit our website at liturgyofthehours.org. You can find all kinds of resources there on praying the Liturgy of the Hours, whether you're a beginner or you're more advanced and have prayed the Liturgy of the Hours for years, you can find uh, some great stuff there. So in addition to our podcast uh, that you're listening to, you can also find a blog. You can find our beginner's guides, uh, today's pages. Uh, You can find out more about our retreat center, even though we're closed to retreats right now. Uh, You can uh, plan your next retreat here at the House of Prayer. We'd love to see you. Also, Facebook, Instagram, stay in touch with us. Lastly, we do have plans to offer a online workshop on the Liturgy of the Hours. Just a few weeks ago, maybe it was a month ago, we had a great group of folks here uh, at the House of Prayer for a Liturgy of the Hours workshop. We started that with midday prayer at noon. We had lunch, and then we gathered for uh, talks on the history, theology, and practical guide to praying the Liturgy of the Hours. And it was just a great opportunity for people to kind of dive a little bit deeper into the prayer of the church. And I thought this would be a great time to offer something like that online. So stay tuned for that. Probably in the next uh, couple of weeks, we'll put something together for you to to tune into. And also, if you could share a podcast, that would be great. Uh, You can go on Apple Podcasts, leave us a review. You can post our podcast online uh, via, you know, various social media outlets. You know, we're trying to let more and more people know about our podcast and you as our listeners are instrumental in helping us get the word out. So uh, we'd really uh, appreciate that. Well, let's go ahead and end with prayer. Uh, we are praying the, a traditional prayer that has been prayed for many years uh, following the divine office. In the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit, amen. To the most holy and undivided trinity, to the humanity of our Lord Jesus Christ crucified, to the fruitful virginity of the most blessed and glorious Mary ever virgin, and to the whole company of the saints, 
be everlasting praise, honor, and glory by all creatures, and to us remission of all our sins, world without end. Amen. In the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Spirit. Amen. Thank you for listening to Vox Sponse, a podcast on the Liturgy of the Hours brought to you by the St. Thomas More House of Prayer, a Catholic retreat center in the Diocese of Erie, Pennsylvania, with the mission of praying and promoting the Liturgy of the Hours, the public and communal prayer of the Catholic Church. For more information, visit us online at liturgyofthehours.org.